Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew. Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. It is storming outside, folks. I don't know if you recognize that yet. There is something making weird sounds. Yes, he will. I wish he'd get on the soundboard. That'd be wonderful. All right. I didn't mean that to come out out loud. I was thinking of it in my head. And and apparently that was not reserved inside. Y'all hear that, don't you? I want you to know it was working perfectly, and now it's not. Oh, well, let me see here. Just talk amongst yourselves. You're going to anyways, right? All right, let's try that. Can you hear me? You say that now, but I promise you, this week, we couldn't hear you. Um, gosh, where do I start now? I don't know where I, don't know where I was supposed to start. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I know. Matthew 15. Um... Oh, yeah. No, no. So um, a friend of mine this week was sharing about, she was talking about her mother. And she was, was trying to describe her childhood. And she said it in this way. She said, my mother never cared much about fancy clothes and and making sure that we were proper and she didn't spend a lot of time teaching us the the social graces not that they weren't important but they just weren't you know she she wasn't worried about her running when she wasn't supposed to run or when she was you know supposed to 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 do the right thing because people were looking at her essentially her mother wasn't worried about her own reputation as a mother because of how her children looked What she was interested in and what she spent her time doing was molding and shaping the heart of her kids. She said, I'm so thankful because my mother taught me what is most important in life. She shaped my heart. She taught me how to love God. She taught me how to love people. And of all the things in the world that I'm thankful for, that must be the highest of thankfulness for me. And, you know, Jesus actually dealt with this in Matthew chapter 15. He dealt with the difference between living right and living right. And so often we try to to live right, but we're not living right. And let me tell you what I mean by that. To live right to so many people means, well, they're a good, they're a good Christian businessman. Well, they're, they're a good representative in the community. Well, they're, uh, they, they go to the right places. They, they, they wear the right things. And so on an outward, from an outward perspective, things are in order and things are right in a person's life. But down in the heart, there's not rightness. There is, there's, there's, really this is a harsh way to put it but it's but it's rot it's filth it's it's a it's a it's a decay and even though everything on the outside looks right the inside 
is not good. In fact, we see this in our own community. We have a, a community that is supposed to be a, a good, um, um, great place to raise a family. You know, there, there's, there's not a lot of crime and there's, there's not a lot of that, that bad stuff that they get over, you know, in Pensacola. I was kind of joking there. But you've heard that, right? I mean, once you cross the bridge, whoo, now we're in the breeze. Anytime you put a, put a, uh, a definite article before where you're, t- the breeze, right? But here's, here's what I've learned. And I'm not, I'm not saying we have an awful community. No, I love living here. But, but behind the doors of homes, within a three-mile radius of, of where you are right now, there is incredible brokenness. The number of, 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 of medical calls because of an opioid uh, addiction that is running rampant in our community. The number of domestic violence cases. The number of, of threatening situations. The number of, of um, uh, uh, parental child stresses. I mean, it's, it's, it looks good on the outside, but when you get behind the closed doors, it can really be... In a mess. Now, to prove this, all you have to do is go talk to a teacher. Am I right? Because teachers see the real stuff that's going on because they hear it. They, they're told directly, but they also listen to people talk as they're walking through the halls. Now, again, the point of saying that is not that, that to, to say anything negative about our community. It's to bring about the whole reason that Jesus had this conversation. In Matthew chapter 15, the Pharisees actually started the conversation. Verse 1 said, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were upset because Jesus' disciples did not look religious. They didn't follow the practices that had been handed down year after year after year. And so what was supposed to happen is before they would eat, they would have to go through a ceremonial washing of their hands in order to become holy so that they could eat. Now, on the outside, that that was a good idea. Here's probably how the conversation went. Listen, we do this because it reminds us of needing to become clean before the Lord. Right? That's probably the, the, the reasoning that they would give to their children as they pass their tradition down. But here's what happened. They would come in and they would, they would do, their, do their thing and then they would, they would go on and worship. And the heart didn't have any softness to it. It didn't have any, any um, ears to hear or eyes to see. And they would go and they would do their religious duty and then they would live the rest of their life for the week And there was just no conviction. There was no change. And so Jesus had this accusation a few verses later. He said, that's why the scripture was right when he says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You know, as I think about all the gifts that a mother could give to her children, and this is not just a mother. This is a father. This is a friend. This is a a mentor, a a spiritual um, leader. What we would give to those who are looking at us should not be the rules and regulations of life. It should be how to have a heart that is soft towards the voice of God. 
Because one who follows the rules and regulations of life can be a person that you don't want to be around. Or they can be a person who is trapped and bound in chains. They can be a person who is caught in sin, uh, in, 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 a, in a habitual sin. They can be the kind of person that, that, that we've all seen that is arrested and accused of something. And the first thing we say is, man, that's the last person I ever thought that would happen to. Have you ever said that? You're just shocked that that person was in that condition, right? It's because we can do everything on the outside to to look right and totally forget that the inside is what matters. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. If you want to get the outside right, you don't start with the outside, you start with the inside. If your inside is right, that means if your heart is right, if you have a a desire to honor Jesus, then what you do is a natural outflow, a natural outcome. You know, I've said this before, but sometimes as the church, you know, historically, we've focused on helping people live right as opposed to be right. Live right so that people could say, oh, look at them. Now, we would never say it that way, but that's what oftentimes it winds up to be as opposed to Be right. Be one who even offends the law at times because the heart has a has a higher purpose. And that's what the disciples were doing. Or that's what the Pharisees were accusing the disciples of doing. Jesus replied. So the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they said, why don't your disciples follow the the law? It's essentially what they said. Why don't they wash before they eat? Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Listen to this, verse 9. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are merely human rules. So Jesus throws back to them. He says, okay, you want the disciples to, um, to wa- you want my disciples to wash their hands before they eat. Okay, I get that. But, but just answer me a question. Why do you teach and hold people to a a human standard that violates God's law. You see, you could devote part of your your income to the 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 synagogue, to to God's work. And what was happening was if they if a family, if a person devoted their part of their income to God's work and then their family had need, the Pharisees were saying Look, you made a vow. You said this is to God, so you've got to give us the money. Right? That was the original Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. That's where that came from. Just It's in the Hebrew, really. So that's they they were saying, show me the money. And and they were like, look, look, my parents didn't have this need, but my parents are hungry. You know, they're, they're, they're in desperate situation. The Pharisees were saying, no, give us the money. Now, the motivation was really selfish on the Pharisees' part, but at the end of the day, they were holding to a religious standard that violated God's standard. 
And so Jesus called him on it. He said, look, you're trying to lead people to God, but you don't know God. Because if you knew God, you would know that one of the most important things to God is honor your mother and your father. Happens to be the fifth commandment, by the way. You would think that the religious leaders would know that, right? It's the same, it's the same principle when Jesus said, look, you don't want me to work on Sunday or on the Sabbath, Saturday for them, right? You don't want me to work? What if your ox is in a ditch? I healed somebody. Yeah, it was the Sabbath, but they're healed. Don't miss this, right? And so the Pharisees were, were confused because they were trying to live right on the outside, but they had forsaken the heart. Jesus was all about changing the heart, and the outside would follow suit. Now, let's go back to something real quick. Because the disciples asked this, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? We have to then ask the question, why did people follow the tradition of the elders? You ever thought of that? Why did they daily go through the washing uh, a tradition? number of reasons. One, because that's what they were told they were supposed to do. And we're really good sometimes at just doing what we're told to do. Somebody in authority said to do it, therefore, I got to do it. Just the way it is. Another motivation would be because if I don't do this, then I'm afraid. So fear, right? Another motivation is the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are powerful people. If I don't do this, there's going to be some, some retribution against me. In a way, that's a form of manipulation. So you've got all these reasons behind why people would follow the law. But do you see that when, all of the, when those reasons are part of this, this act, it kind of takes away from the whole act. Does that make sense? I mean, you just do. Oh, let me ask you this. You're here today in church, which technically is a misnomer. You can't actually be in church. You can only be with the church, right? Because the building's not church it's a church building it's where we meet but the church is the people of god it's the collection of god's people and so you're here today i don't know this and i'm not going to ask you to answer out loud but why are you here what's the motivation well because it's sunday okay that's that's not horrible motivation i i do things because I, i'm just that's what you do right like i brush my teeth every night part of the motivation is that's just what i do it's a habit right the other motivation is I like to kiss my wife, right? They think, and, and so, you know, there's, there's, a, there, there's more to it than just that. But j- just why are you here today? Well, because my, I was asked to come. Why are you here today? Well, because it was raining outside and the beach is no good in the rain. <laughs> Actually, most, most places... <laughs> Most places, they get all upset when it rains. Not me. I get all excited. We have high attendance on Sundays when it's raining. It's like, yes. Perfect scenario is you wake up to nasty gray skies, and just before we start, it all clears up and it's beautiful. Because once you're dressed for church, you usually don't go home and put your bathing suit on, right? You usually go through and do church. You don't know if I'm joking or not, do you? But in Florida, yeah, that's really the truth. But your motivation for doing religious things is it because that's what you're supposed to do or is it because of something different 
I, I read my Bible because I want to meet with God. Not because I have to check an envelope that says, we don't do that anymore, do we? Do you remember those days, though? Do you remember the board up on the side, right? It told you how many were here and how many were, were giving and, and how many were in training union. And, and the numbers got smaller and smaller and smaller. And the real good preachers, I say that jokingly, would, would call attention to the board every Sunday. And they would, they would say, now, which group are you in? And then they would talk about the, the most faithful of them all, the ones who did all on the cat, all the, you remember that? You remember you used to say, if you were there on Sunday night, you were the most faithful Christians? Do you remember hearing that? I used to hear that. You guys are God's choice servants. And I was thinking, honestly, as a kid, I was thinking to myself, that preacher don't know this guy too well, because I saw him at the boat ramp the other day, and it was, but that's, that's the whole point. We can go through the religious motions. We can do the religious things. We can look right or we can try to look right, right to everybody. And our heart can be far from God. And Jesus said this. He said, look, I'm not interested in your religiosity. And I'm not interested in you looking good for other people. In fact, he, he pretty much said, I don't even care what people say about you. Now, I'm going to... I'm just going to move over here for a moment, okay? It's going to hurt just a little bit. All of my life, I have been told, you can't do that because as a Christian, people might think you're disobeying God, right? They might think you're sinning. And here's the verse, that, that we're not to even have the appearance of evil. And so we've moved that over and said, anything that people could somehow conjure up as an appearance of evil, you must stay away from. Can we think that one through just a minute? You realize that no matter what you do, somebody can think that's an appearance of evil. Like, I'm not going to go dancing because it could be the, you know what happens if you go dancing? Bingo might break out. That's, that's, that's bad. I went to a hockey game and a fight broke out. That was good. I, I, I totally messed that joke up. Just pretend it was funny. But, but I've been, I was told all my life, don't do that because people might think. And it kind of got you to thinking, oh, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to come out and act, right? I'm supposed to make sure that, that my, my, you know, you got to walk straight, right? Can't say anything because somebody might be offended, I love what Jesus said here. Look in verse, um, verse 12. Well, so we don't skip too far. Verse 10, 11. Jesus called the crowd and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. In other words, what comes out of a person demonstrates who a person is, not what goes into a person. And then verse 12, maybe my favorite verse in this whole passage. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Do you find humor in that like I do? I mean, it had to have been Peter. There's no doubt in my mind it was Peter. Hey, Jesus, come here. Uh, let's talk. Um, I don't know if you know this, but that really wasn't very politically correct what you said. I mean, do you know these Pharisees, they're powerful people. I mean, they, they control a lot in the city. And 
Do you realize that you've totally offended them? You've, you've insinuated that they don't know God. And just from what I read here, Jesus is going, uh, insinuated? I'm so sorry. If you thought I insinuated, I apologize. I wasn't insinuating. I was declaring. I'm sorry if I left any question as to what I was saying. And then he cleared it up. He said, every plant, verse 13, that my heavenly father has, has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. In other words, they are rotten to the core. So let me ask you a question. Most of us have grown up in church. We have some sort of church background. It's probably not even some sort. It's probably, most of us probably have a a lengthy church background. I suspect that in your lengthy church background, you have gone through the motions of kind of being put out with church people. Let me just, can I just, let's just ask. How many of you have ever considered leaving church because you saw religious people whose hearts were far from God. Anybody? A few of you, right? Okay, when leaving church, maybe you didn't consider leaving church, but you were awful disgusted, right? Frustrated? Is that, is that more people? You saw it and you go, oh man, I just, these church people. Here's the thing. The reason that happens is because we think that looking right is better or more valuable, or is the goal as opposed to being right. This is Mother's Day. We celebrate the gift of mothers. Like Kevin said, without his mother, he wouldn't be where he is today, right? He wouldn't even be here. It's true. But the thing that mothers give to their children that is of greatest value is teaching them to walk with God, teaching them to know God, not know religious things, not not know how to talk about God, but actually talk to God, not know about God as much as knowing God, because it's easy for us to live our life like a Pharisee and not like a disciple. Here's what's really neat. Peter asked Jesus, he said, We're still a little confused. Can you explain this parable to us? And Jesus said, are you still so dull? In other words, do you you not still understand? Of all my, my friends, I thought you'd get it. He said, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out the body? He's talking about the, the biological nature of eating. You put it in, you chew it, and it filters through, right? He said, verse 18, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these are the things that defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. In other words, the religious rules, if they don't lead your heart towards God, you should not do them. Now here's where the rubber meets the road. 
This is an uncomfortable spot to be in for you and for me. Maybe, maybe more for me. Because you are just worrying about you. I'm worried about the whole group of you, right? Because what I say might be misunderstood. Here's the thing. The scripture tells us that it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom means that you are not bound by heavy burdens or heavy weights. Freedom means that you are not constantly looking over your shoulder. Freedom means that you're not doing something because you feel manipulated. Freedom means that you're not, you're not cowering in fear, wondering when God is going to strike. Freedom means that you have a relationship that is joyful and growing and hopeful and, and, and enjoyable. Enjoyable even in the midst of things that should not normally, ordinarily be enjoyable. Christ Jesus has come to set us free, yet as, as church people, we often bind ourselves by things that put us in chains. And they're so often not bad things, they're, they're holy or spiritual things that God said, look, you're, you're missing the whole point. Does this make sense? There is a freedom that comes in Christ when you recognize the heart is what he's interested in, not in the action. So here's what we do. We start to look at what defines us. You might have been asking, wait a minute, how's this boundaries? Here's, what, here's how. You start to look at what defines you. Remember, a boundary is, is a, is a uh, it basically is where you end as a human. It, it defines your personhood, right? It, it's where you end and somebody else begins. A boundary is what you're responsible for and who you're responsible to, Right? By having clear boundaries, by knowing who we are, by going, you know what? This is my yard. I'm responsible up to the fence. Everything else, somebody else's circus, somebody else's monkey, right? Because I know my boundary, I'm going to operate fully and freely within this boundary. Here's my boundary. My boundary is primarily built in the heart. And it's built... Using God's word. So I say when I'm defining boundaries. Okay. What does God want from me? Psalm 119 verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By obeying God's word. Or how can a young man keep a pure heart? By obeying God's word. Right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let God define my boundary. And whatever God says. That's who I'm going to be. I'm going to hide his word in my heart so that I might not sin against him. I'm going to allow God's boundaries to be my boundaries. And every boundary outside of what God says, I don't care who makes it, I am not responsible to that boundary. I'm responsible to God's boundary. Now, unless you, th- in case you're afraid that there's going to be a a moral conflict there, there's not. Because here's what God is wise enough and sovereign enough to do. Every boundary that you need to live and, and, and survive in life, God has already given to you. You say, well, what about government boundaries? He's already taken care of that. Go to Romans, right? 
Be subject to your human authorities. What about parental boundaries? He's already covered that. Honor your father and your mother. And then the two shall leave and become one flesh. He's already covered that. What about the boundaries in marriage? The marriage bed must be pure and undefiled. He's already covered that. God's already given us the the boundaries that we need. The problem is we're not living within his boundaries. We're living in the boundaries that everybody else wants to give us. And that's causing you and and me sometimes to live an unfruitful or a totally dissatisfied life. Does this make sense? My, My prayer for you today is this. Is that you would challenge every fence you have in your life. Challenge them. I mean, a fence is no good if it won't keep the cattle in. Right? Apparently y'all aren't cattle farmers. Because if you were, there'd have been a huge agreement with that. Amen. Hey, woohoo, amen. Right? That's what you'd have done. Uh, But, you know, I I hunt. You know that. It's no surprise. It's always funny when I, when I, when I'm on a property that's large, because a lot of times the fences on the very farthest parts of the property are the ones that are ignored. And you walk over and you go, well, that was easy, right? I normally don't do that, but I, but I could if I want. But, but a fence, if, if, it's not, if it's not strong and secure and, and, and looked at, it's worthless. It's, it's just a, it's a decoration. It ain't a fence. So don't be afraid to go and say, what are my boundaries? Here's what I'm saying. Take back that which rightfully belongs to you, that which you are rightfully blessed with. That's what, it's what God has given you to protect you and to keep you in freedom, not in bondage. This is especially true when it comes to your religious life. And I don't like that phrase. But I say it that way because just because we have a religious life doesn't mean that we really know Jesus. Go back and look. Why do I do what I do? Why do I say what I say? Why do I spend time in God's word? Why do I come to church? Or why do I uh, uh, go to Bible study? And allow God to change the motivation from because I have to, because to I want to. I want to see the face of God. I want to hear his voice and I want to know his purpose for me. That's a way better way to live. So this morning, my my call to you is the call of Jesus to allow him to define the boundaries of your life. And to let him give you freedom. Um, I sometimes get myself in trouble. Because I've decided that I, I, I really don't care. It's not that I don't care. But I'm not going to let somebody else's opinion of me dictate what I can and cannot do. I mean, I've just, I've gotten over the point of needing to please people. And I also think that truth is better than a lie. And clarity is better than confusion. 
And so the other day I had somebody asking me, what's my opinion on a, on a particular hot topic? And I, I just told them, I said, this is what I think. And you could tell they were getting a little nervous because that wasn't, that wasn't the church answer. They're starting to question my salvation. You know, he's a pre. Can I really? But here's the thing. I knew what I was saying. And I was convinced in what I was saying. Their position, I think, was coming because it's what they were raised with. And I don't know that they have thought it through beyond just what they were told to believe and think. I don't, I don't know what their biblical defense was, but I know what my biblical defense was. And if I'm good with the biblical defense and it's a, 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 an appropriate and truthful um, studying of the scriptures, I'm not talking about making a scripture say what you want to believe. That's a dangerous place, and we're rampant in that in our culture today. I mean, there are principles of, of, of hermeneutics. You know, there are principles of how you discern what the Bible's saying. And, it's, and, it, and it doesn't mean one thing to me and another thing to you. Now, it might do that, but that's not God's intention. God wrote it. He, he has a meaning for it. It's his meaning, not ours. So we don't get to interpret it as much as we just get to figure out how we live that out, right? And so in that conversation, I thought to myself, you know, I would much rather, I would much rather be a person who knows boundaries for me and who speaks my own boundaries and says you can come this far, no farther, than a person who's just moved based on what the crowd wants me to think and do. Does that make sense? That, I believe, is freedom in Christ. I believe that that's what God wants for all of his children. If you know Jesus, he wants you to be free, not bound. Now, here's the rub. If God gives us freedom, you and I can't take that freedom away from our brother or our sister. I'm not talking about biblical uh, definites. I'm talking about those other things where we have to work out, well, what does the Bible... Does that make sense? I'm not talking... I mean, we're not talking about solid core biblical issues. We're talking about those other things. Allowing God the freedom to move within a person. So here's my prayer for you this morning, and I'm all done. My prayer for you this morning is that you would be like my friend's mother who teaches people, family, friends, co-workers, whatever, who teaches people how to love God, not how to look religious. That's my prayer. And my prayer is that you and I would be like my friend who recognizes the gift when somebody gives us that kind of leading and that kind of freedom. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. So y'all are, oh, now you're wondering what was the topic, aren't you? Huh? Huh? I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to let you create your own story. Because those are way better stories. No, actually, I'll tell you, I don't mind. Uh, the question, the t- <laughs> see? <laughs> like I said, the question was about, about this whole medical marijuana stuff. It was the, the uh, morality of it. 
Should we or should we not? It, it's a tough one, right? And so we talked about it. Just so you'll know, I fall along the lines of we must honor God in everything we do, but we also ought to be consistent in how we think through things. A medicine is a medicine whether it's pharmaceutical or whether it's natural. I am not in favor of kids going out smoking to get high. I am in favor of someone who has epilepsy finding relief through uh, uh, something that is medically approved. That's where I stand on it. Is that okay? I mean, that's... But now listen, you hear a Baptist preacher say that? You might as well get a rope. Whoo. But that actually, I think, illustrates the whole point. We're afraid to talk about things because of what somebody might think. We shouldn't be that way. I know, I know. Some things you just don't say in a room full, a crowd full of people. You got, I, I know that. I'm saying, generally speaking, we ought to be able to have freedom and not be manipulated and controlled by somebody else. That only happens when you know your God-given rightful boundaries. Amen? This morning, I hope, I pray that God has blessed you. I pray that God will draw you close to himself. I pray that God would begin to set you free in your life the things that are, that are only done because of somebody else telling you you have to do them. And I pray that you'll experience the joy of knowing Christ deeply and the, the hope that comes through knowing him fully. That's my prayer. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I do pray that this day you would help us to know the truth of your word. God, everything comes back to the truth of your word. Father, may we hold tightly to your commands. May we hold tightly to your precepts. And may we live them out in obedience because we love you. Not because somebody else says we have to. Father, I do pray that in this place you would give us great freedom. But as your word tells us, may we not use the freedom as a license to sin. Because Lord, there's a... There's a, an easy ditch on the other side of this. Father, we simply want to be right in the middle of where you've called us to be. Living by faith, having experienced your immeasurable grace. And looking unto you, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Father, this is our prayer today. In the powerful name of Jesus.